Welcome to the Songwriter Connection Podcast. Our show originates in Nashville, Tennessee, Music City, USA. We connect you to the songwriters and the stories behind your favorite songs. Join us as we take a look at the craft of songwriting through the eyes of the songwriter. Now, here's your host, Dave Linehan. Well, this is season one and episode three. I hope you had a chance to listen to a couple of the other shows like Billy Lee and The One. Uh, it's kind of cool to listen to some of the work tapes and uh, the demos before the song became a big hit. And, of course, Bill O'Hanlon last week, who's been on the Oprah show and, and now on the Songwriter Connection uh, podcast. This week, I've got another Bill. <laughs> you know, we're, try- we're trying to get all the bills out of the way, I think, just to start off the podcast. We've got a great songwriter who is his, his songwriting career just blowing up and uh, a, a good friend. And I'm so glad that uh, you made time to be on the show. Welcome, Bill White. Hi, Bill. Dave, good to see you again, my friend. I'm just so impressed that you've arrived at a point in your life where you can actually afford to pay someone to introduce your show. Uh, who, who, who was that? That is the lovely Kate uh, that we found um, on the Fiverr. Kate. Yes. So lovely, is lovelier first name or last name is Kate? Or I think that's her last name, Kate. No. Okay. That's the all I know her as. Kate. Yeah. Okay. Isn't she wonderful? I love her voice. Well, yeah. she was lovely, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> well, good, good to have you on the show. Your songwriting career is just blowing up, and you've been so busy during uh, COVID even, uh, writing like every day. You've, you've got, you recently signed a publishing deal, right? I did, yeah, about about two years ago yeah, mm-hmm. with uh, Billy Blue Publishing, which is a new publishing company they started um, that has a record label that goes with it, a bluegrass record label, Billy okay. Blue Records. <laughs> And they're umbrellaed under a big organization called Daywind Publishing that's probably the biggest uh, Southern gospel entity for sure in contemporary Christian music. And if you're singing songs in church, you're probably singing a Daywind song. Ah, So so combined between that, you know, I've done a lot of writing um, in-house, a lot more bluegrass writing than I've ever written in my life, you know, and a fair amount of gospel writing too because the artists are there to pitch to that way, so... Uh, but I'm still writing everything, you know, whoever's in the room, I can, you know, I'll try to adapt to whatever's in the room that day. Yeah. From comedy to gospel, you do the whole, it's different all the time, which I really do like. Yeah. You're right. Every day can be, you know, I had a, had a polka cut that won number one (laughs) last year for goodness sake. And I never would have thought that happened. Had a bluegrass on the one, number one, had a Southern gospel bluegrass on the one. So it's all these different, all these different entities. And I, I love it. I like the, I like, different and and there's certainly a fair amount of people that seek me out if they have something funny they want to write and i always Mm. enjoy doing that too well we can't talk to bill white without talking about your fantastic radio career and bill i had a chance to work with you in uh, cincinnati at b105 uh, which was just an amazing experience Um, you're in the um, uh, country radio broadcasters hall of fame along with two other guys that worked at that radio station at the time right duke hamilton who just recently retired Yes. Uh, one of the greatest voices I've ever heard in radio. Y'all worked yeah. together. Um, we so. did, yeah. We And we started as kids together at a little small market radio station in Missouri, Bowling Green, Missouri. And Duke and I were both about 18-year-old kids. And, wow. you know, the, the call letter, it was in a one-bedroom trailer in a cow pasture, for goodness sake. And uh, worked at one know, of the call letters are KPCR, which we affectionately said stood for Cow Pasture Country Radio. <laughs> yeah, so, Love it. So that's, that's how I learned on a little AM radio station. 
That's great. You know, in, in, in my uh, call letters, I had a station, WHIC Hick Radio. They wouldn't let us call oh, it Hick Radio. Well, there you go. But uh, there you go. I thought it would have been cool. I'm guessing they weren't playing jazz. <laughs> no, we didn't play much jazz. <laughs> For sure. But anyway, in the Country Broadcasters Hall of Fame, that's like the, one of the highest honors ever, huh? And that had to feel great, huh? Yeah, I, you know, you don't, I never thought about that ever happening to tell you the truth. Maybe a little bit, you know, when, when I sort of kind of thought I was out of radio and had not done radio for five or six years, Dave, I never really thought that would be a possibility. And it was a surprise of my life when uh, a former boss of mine called me from Indianapolis, who was the head of the country radio board at that time, Charlie Morgan. And, uh, and I thought he was, he'd just become president of Emmis Broadcasting in Indianapolis. And I thought, doggone it, he's going to try to hire me to go back into radio. And I'm, I was being pretty comfortable as a starving songwriter and uh, was really liking it. And so when he, when I answered the phone, I hadn't talked to him for years. I answered like a smart aleck. And I said, Charlie, I said, you are not going to try to make me go back into radio. Are you? And, and he laughed and he said, no, it's better than that. And I wanted to be the one to tell you. Wow. And, uh, and it was that news. And, uh, uh, you just don't, you just don't, you just don't dream of that. You know, I was in the, I just started a songwriting session when I got that call and pretty much had to, cancel the writing session because I couldn't gather myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a wonderful thing because they have a great ceremony and, and I had so many people that came out on my behalf and people I write with parents, family came from all over the United States. And, you know, my dad who was blind from diabetes sat on the front row Mm -hmm. before he passed. And, you know, for a, a young kid from Missouri to be able to stand on that kind of platform and say, you know, thank you, daddy. You know, for, for everything you did for me, you can't, you you can't imagine what a joy it was to be able to say that that night. Mm, I'll bet. You know, I saw you play at uh, the Bluebird one night and you wrote a song that's kind of autobiographical about your radio career. And I'd like to play it on the podcast right now. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, you know, this is one of those deals where with writers, Dave, you know, if you don't have anything to write, there's an old axiom that they bring up says, well, you know, write something, you know, something about. And I thought, well, that's my problem. I don't know a whole lot about anything. Oh. You know? and, then, and then I thought, well, I'd never really written about radio. And I wondered if there wasn't a song in there. And the, I won't give away the hook because I'll let you play it here. But the hook <laughs> of the song is something you and I and every person that's ever been in broadcasting has heard a hundred times. Yep. But I don't know that it had been written before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and at first I thought it would just be a flat out, could be a flat out funny song. But when you listen to it, I think you'll see. Everything in this, pretty much everything in the song is actually autobiographical and true, and it bounces back and forth between humor, and I think there's parts of it that will touch your heart too. So that's that's what the song is all about. It definitely touch mine. Bill White is our guest on the Songwriter Connection podcast. Well, I played Hank. I played cash Drug a needle through the eagles And a stack of wax But I'm the butt end of That tired old joke I got a face for radio Obituaries And birthdays I've read them both They cut both ways And I pimped used cars At sales remotes 
I got a face for radio, just a voice that some folks like hiding behind an on-air line. Well, they put my mug on billboard signs. Listen weekday mornings five to nine. When I wouldn't play their damn ten in a row They fired my face from the radio I've made you cry And I've made you laugh I've helped you kill time In a traffic jam A whole bunch of times Now when the towers fell in the Pentagon Well I held your hands on 911 It's election time get out and vote PSA face on the radio just a voice Some folks lie hiding behind Blinking on airline. Well, they hung my plaque in a hall of fame next to other faces you can't name. But when they look in mine, they'll say, you know, he's got a face for a radio. If someday it's heaven for me, I hope I'll have a face for WGOD Radio. Oh, that's brilliant, Bill. Brilliant song. (laughs) (laughs) It's just brilliant. Well, you know what's been really interesting about that song, Dave, when I wrote it? um, You know, when when I play out for the most part, I'm the comedy relief in, in a couple of trios that travels, you know, when, when you can travel. And we'll talk about and, that. Uh, yeah. But every now and then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll pull something from the serious uh, side of my catalog, which is the bigger part of it, actually. But uh, that song, I, I just didn't know what to expect doing that song because I thought, man, is it too inside or too personal? And boy, the first time I, I, mm. I can remember the first time trying it on a live audience and, uh, the reaction was just, uh, it was kind of, it was stunning and it always is now. And every time, I, for some reason it connects with people. And I think it goes back to, uh, again, an old songwriting, uh, deal that that's true. If you can, um, when you think you write a personal song, there's something, there's something about other people listing it that it is attached to them or their lives that they can relate to. Uh, which I was not expecting. I thought, well, I'll get this, and Dave Linehan would get it because he's mm. in radio, and he'd get all the inside stuff there too. But they get it, you know. They they, they more than get it, you know. So yeah, and like I said, I first heard it at the Bluebird, and uh, yeah, it hit me personally. But I'm watching all the people around, and that's what I love about the Bluebird. People listen and they get into the songs, and I could see that they were really touched by the song too. So it's incredible. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah it, thank it, you. It really is. Although I don't agree that you have a face for radio, you could have done anything. <laughs> well, since this is a podcast, you know, no argument from the audience either. 
<laughs> so you do perform a lot in non-COVID uh, times, Bill, and I know you keep real busy with um, uh, Hits and Grins is one of them. Yeah, that's a songwriting trio with uh, Steve Dean and, and Victoria Veneer in uh-huh. uh, Hits and Grins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people know Steve Dean's hits. He's had a bunch of them, too, Watching You for Rodney Atkins. Big song, yeah. Southern Star, big songs, yeah. yeah. You know what I think would be so cool once we get through the COVID and put it in the rearview mirror? Uh, I, I like to do this show around my my living, my, actually my dining room table, uh, just like a real informal kind of thing, and I can set up some condenser mics. I would love to have you guys come in and do a little hits and grins for us on the show. Oh, that would be that just fantastic. That would be cool. Yeah, fantastic. That'd be great fun. It's yeah, that'd be very a good idea. Yeah, very yeah. entertaining. Then you also do these evening in the rounds, right, to keep you busy. Right, and that's with a, a name that a lot of people, especially country fans, will still know, Linda Davis, who's... Mm. You know, of course, saying, uh, does he love you with Reba and her husband, Lang Scott? Both of them were on the road with Reba for a lot of years as part of her band. And, mm-hmm. and of course, they have a talented daughter named Hillary Scott, who's part of, of Lady A. I've heard of her. Family. They're going to be big someday, I think. Yeah, I think I think they're going <laughs> to I think they're going to work out and be somebody. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> well, that's great. So you do keep busy doing uh, performing and, and you're writing every day. And, and, and Bill, let's let's talk a little bit about writing. How did it, how did songwriting start for you? This this radio guy, you've always been involved in music, haven't you? Yeah, pretty much. You know, I think I got, uh, you know, I remember my mother had an old Sears Silvertone guitar in a box. Mm. She, she played piano in a church and that's where my love of music probably came from. And but she decided she was going to play guitar and bought it back in the day when you could hold her a guitar out of Sears Roebuck for about 20 bucks. That's the one she got. And, uh, and she gave up on it, you know, and, and the guitar, the strings were like a mile off the fret. So it would hurt your fingers. And I understood why she gave up, but I had a kid in, in a, in future form that was a former FFA member with me that had had a little guitar and on break from classes. one day he showed me how to make a G chord on a guitar. And I was just, you know, mesmerized and hooked and then I learned to play a little bit and once I learned to play at about 16 I wrote my first song and it's it's always kind of been a part of me and I've been in and out of writing you know where I've written a lot I've written not so much when sometimes the radio career would take over some and then sometimes the entertainment career would take priority and when those moments would happen I'd write you know a little more and uh, but got really really serious about it over the last 14 or 15 years since I've been here in town, that's pretty much all I've done. And have really learned a lot about the craft from some being able to sit at the feet of some great songwriters for sure. You kind of, you kind of learn uh, through osmosis and sitting in the room with these, these great writers. And I know you've dedicated yourself to it for a long time and, um, and, and it's really coming together for you. In fact, you had a, a cut. Uh, you were talking about lady a just a little bit ago in, in, in Hillary, um, you had a cut uh, on her Grammy Award uh, nominated record, right? Yeah, well, yeah, it was on. Uh, it was on a contemporary Christian album, and uh, quite the story. Hillary. Uh, well, well, the story was that you know, I, again, I played with Lang and Linda. Hillary's their daughter. They have a younger daughter named Riley Jean, who also sings. Mm-hmm. So Lang lost his father. Hillary lost her grandfather mm-hmm. uh, after a battle with cancer, and. Um, they shared the story on the internet uh, um, and people all over the world reached out to them. And then, then when he passed, Hillary came off the road with lady a one day and Lang went to her and said, Hillary, ask your record label if they would let you record some old gospel songs with the family in their little basement studio that they have, that they just wanted to press up and send out to people to say, thank you for being so kind to us. So Hillary thought about it and came off the road again at two weeks later and said, daddy, if we're going to do this, I want to, I want the world to hear it. So 
she got green lighted from her record label, Lady A's record label, gave her permission to spend all the money she wanted to on the project. And uh, the family went in and recorded this contemporary Christian album called Love Remains that Ricky Skaggs produced and the Whites are on it and mm-hmm. Stephen Curtis is on it and Bruce Hornsby's on it. I mean, it's an, it's an amazing album. But when it came out, uh, Lang sent me a, a note, a paragraph, of a note that Hillary had sent out to some songwriters in town, letting them know that they were going to do this. And if they had any songs, this is her grandfather. This is her grandfather's name. He called her, he called her uh, sugar babe. She called him Paw Paul. Mm-hmm. And she always considered her Paw Paw to be her safe haven to run to. So that was essentially the note. And uh, the very next day I was in a writing room with Jimmy Fortune who uh, some people will remember being the great high tenor singer with uh, Stat- the Stadler brothers Stat- for brothers. years. That's right. Yeah. First, yeah. first song he ever wrote in his life was Elizabeth, which was the number one song. I first remember. song he ever wrote. Yeah. I, I hate him. Uh, <laughs> and, and, but also, and Jimmy is of a very strong faith. And also in the room was a young lady named Sydney Perry, who's so talented. She's out on the road right now with Carrie Underwood doing her background vocals and plays fiddle. Wow. And her daddy's a preacher. So I shared that heartfelt note from Hillary and Jimmy caught the little part about safe Haven. And that became the title of this song that we wrote specifically about her grandfather. And I told, and I thought it was a lovely song when we got done. I just, I just recorded it on my phone, Mm -hmm. sent it by phone to Lang. And I said, well, if they don't like it, you know, it'll never get cut because it's so specific about the grandfather. Well, one thing leads to another, the family loves it. I went over one night when they were trying to lay the rough down on it, Dave, and and Hillary uh, Linda said, well, let me sing. And she started singing and got about a verse into it and started bawling. And, and Hillary said, well, let me sing it. And Hillary started singing and she started crying. So, <laughs> so I thought, okay, this is good. You know, it's really touched them. And then they just did a heck of a job recording it. And it went on the album and the album won two, won two Grammy awards that year wow. in 2012. It won for the single of the year, one for the album of the year, which has this very personal song about their grandfather. And, and the thing I, it goes back to that first story I was telling you, Dave, uh, I performed this song and, and I see, I just didn't expect it. I I'll perform the song and there's hardly a time that I don't look at it. And I don't see people crying. Mm. And we've discovered that people all over the world have used this song at funerals for their loved ones. You know, that it's touched them, that they relate to somebody they were attached to, like Hillary was with her grandfather. And it's just been, it's just been the biggest songwriting blessing in my life to have a song like that that's moved that many people. I, we just get story after story after story about it. I'll tell you one other short story about it, Dave, I was, mm-hmm. if you got time. I do, and, and then we're going to play I it was, for sure. Yeah. I was on the Grand Canyon, worked the Grand Canyon Railroad a couple of years, which is really cool. It's the railroad goes from Williams, Arizona on Route 66. I've been on day. that train. They rob it oh, as you, you go. Yeah, yes, yeah they absolutely. Rob it. Yeah. yeah, and it goes to the South Rim, and then it comes back, where they also have <clears> entertainers on there. Right. Well, I had befriended a guy doing a concert out in Tucson, no, no, Payson, Arizona, with Hits and Grins. We'd met this guy. He was an entertainer. And he said, you know, I see the Grand Canyon about 200 times a year. And I said, what? And, and he that he told me he was an entertainer on the Grand Canyon Railroad. I, did, I didn't know anything about it. And I thought, well, that is the coolest thing. And, and I got home, never thought anything about it. And a few months later, I'm at Starbucks and I'm reading stuff on the Internet. And here comes this story about the Grand Canyon Railway. And there's a picture of my friend, John Carpino, singing in the aisleway of one of the cars. And it says, an entertainer on the train. Wow. Didn't even mention his name. So I just sent him a smart aleck note and said, congratulations, John, you're an entertainer on the train. 
And, and so he, he wrote me back and he said, Hey, he says, you should, you should do this. He said, you know, with your kind, he said, they would love you. And I said, well, can I do one thing led to another? And I wound up out there being on the train. How cool. And, and, and you play going, you play three or four cars going to the rim, three or four cars on the trip back. And so all week long, all I had done, I, I just did funny songs to make people laugh. There's, there are tours from all over the world. Oh yeah. All over. Yeah. The very last car on the very last trip home, the very last one, I walked up into one of those big dome cars, you know, where you could just see forever out of it yeah. with that beautiful scenery rolling by. And this lady uh, to my left, she said, she said, Hey, young man, she said, are you the, are you the Grammy guy? And apparently one of the other entertainers had told him there was a special guest on the train this week. And so she asked and I said, well, yes, ma'am. She said, would you please sing that song? And I said, well, you know, I've just been doing funny songs and it's a Christian song. I don't know. And then everybody, of course, says, play the song, play the song. So, so I start playing the song and I'm looking at her and she's mouthing every word of this song and wow. crying wow. at the same time. And when I finished, uh, another lady to my right tugged on my right elbow and I looked over at her and she was crying, but she was pointing out the windows of that train car and a double rainbow had gone up over the car. <sighs> while I was singing that. I just got the chills. Only, the only time back. I, only time I ever sang that song oh, on that. Yeah. So, wow. You know, those are the kind of rewards you get as songwriters. As you very well know, Dave, it's extremely hard to make a living as a songwriter, yeah. almost impossible unless you're in the top 5% of the guys getting the big, the big recordings, but you get paid uh, in other ways. Don't you? That's exactly so. yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. And that's getting paid. That was another way of getting paid. That's that getting song. paid. And we have the blessed, of you know you and I and anyone that ever writes a song if you if you get halfway decent you know with it I think one of the great things is when we go when we leave you know we will leave something of us behind yeah. you know yeah. so you know I'm I'm not ready to leave but I'm no. glad I'm going to be able to leave something behind yeah well let's listen to Safe Haven this is Hillary Scott singing right Hillary Scott and the Scott family and, yes. and the Scott family here we go Songwriter Connection podcast with our guest Bill White. held the world in me in the palm of his hand He held us all together The family cornerstone His voice was deep just like his face He'd always call me sugar babe And what I wouldn't do I love you one more time He loved to read John 3.16 Tap along to hymns we'd sing He loved us so much more than earthly things Sometimes when there's no answer No reason for the pain And I just can't wrap My home's not here, no, I'm not bound 
higher ground And where I'm going Oh, goodbye don't mean a thing There's gonna be some things I miss But don't forget God promises We'll be together on the other composition. Bill White helped to write the song along with Jimmy Fortune and someone else was it's in the Sidney Perry and Sydney I should Perry. mention that Hillary Scott is also a writer on this song. Dave, is we she? had finished the song mm. and Hillary looked at it and she wanted to add some more personal things that we didn't know about her grandfather into the song so she added wow. some lines too yeah. to that song. So it's been, a, it's been a blessing. I knew her grandfather just a little bit so that helped. You know, I've been around him a few times. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Well, now that you made us cry... <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the comedy side of Bill White. You don't do morning radio with having, uh, without having some comedy in your show. And um, you've got some hilarious songs out there. Tell us, you know, I remember watching you again at the Bluebird one night. It was an amazing story. We were driving to Nashville with a, with a buddy of mine, and we, were, we thought we'd go to the Bluebird that night. And I was telling him in the car, I said, you know, I'd love to catch up with a, an old radio guy named Bill White who I used to work with in in radio. He's writing songs down there. We walk in the place, and there you are. (laughs) I go, what are you you doing? And you go, I'm playing here tonight. (laughs) And um, you played that Cletus Judd Judd cut that is still, I think, one of the most hilarious songs I ever heard. I'm going ugly early tonight. Going ugly early tonight. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, I don't have it to play, but I know it's out there and people can get it. Um, and so many other great uh, uh, comedy songs. Talk a little about, you've had two comedy records, right? Yeah, two comedy song CDs. And uh-huh. uh, yeah, you know, being on the radio, you learn to be funny because you have to be entertaining. And 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 I, I really learned a lot about comedy writing from a, from a guy, I think you know too, that was part of my first morning radio show there in Cincinnati, Roger Naylor. Met him once or twice. Was, great comic, yeah. It was a stand, <laughs> started as a stand-up comic. Now he himself is in a Hall of Fame. He's in the 
the Travel Hall of Fame in Arizona as a travel writer out there. He's oh, like wow. the, 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 the biggest travel writer. He hikes a thousand miles a year in the beautiful country up there and he writes about his hikes and other things. And they put him in the Hall of Fame here a couple of years ago. But I would, would always be amazed how he'd bring a blank page in and then he would create these funny characters and people that we produced for the show. And so that really kicked off my sense of humor. And for whatever, for whatever reason, I've just been blessed to kind of understand that art form a little bit and started writing these funny little songs. And uh, one of the biggest joys I get every night is watching people laugh at some of these silly things. If I had boobs and going <laughs> ugly early tonight and I'll join the Amish and, you know, celebritard too and trailer park sexy <laughs> yeah. and celebutard. Yeah. And, yeah. You, oh, great. You name them, they go, <laughs> they go on and on. Is your bra half full or half empty? I mean, it just goes, it goes on and on. And then one thing that's happened is I've written long enough in town, Dave, that every now and then I will get a call from a truly great songwriter that's had big number one records and they've got a funny idea and I'll get to write with them. This happened three or four times where I'll really? get to write with them to help them try to shape this funny idea because they can't do that. Mm. That's not their skill set, you know. Uh, so I'll always go <laughs> and they'll always have the craziest ideas. And, and I always say, okay, well, I'm going to write this. But the next song we're going to write, we're going to try to write a hit and make money. Mm. You know, so, <laughs> so it opens the door. The gift of humor has opened an awful lot of doors for me in radio. I wrote for a big syndicate company for years, over 30 years in New York called United Stations. And I was their chief parody songwriter, a verse and a course. And I would just write lyrics to whatever was in the news. If they needed a song about you name it, you know, I would send them a verse and a course. They'd produce it. It would go to radio stations the next morning. And if, if you wanted to talk about the president or if you wanted to talk about Bruce Jenner, if you wanted to talk about whatever, <laughs> there would be a song that they could play to kind of tie in with that story. And I bet I wrote a thousand of those over 30 years. That's talent. And um, mm. yeah, it's, and I think my favorite was when I got a note from uh, the head comedy writer in New York saying, look, we need a, we need something about uh, Bruce Jenner deciding that he doesn't want to be Bruce Jenner anymore. <laughs> and, and so we parodied the Shania Twain song, man, I feel like a woman. <laughs> and so that may be one of my favorites right there. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds hilarious. It really does. Um, recently, um, in Australia, you know, one of my favorite guitar players is Tommy. If you've never seen Tommy Emmanuel, he's got to be, oh. I think he's got to be the best guitar player in the world right now. My uh, favorite. He, mine too. What he does on the on the guitar is, um, it looks impossible. <laughs> and he makes it look easy, doesn't he? It's unbelievable. Yeah. Really yeah. unbelievable. I'd never heard of Tommy Emmanuel. Going back to my friend Lang Scott, I was with him and Linda one time and they brought his name up and said, he's going to be in uh, Tommy Emanuel's going to be in concert in Bowling Green. And I said, who? Yeah. And he just looked at me incredulously and said, you've never heard of Tommy Emanuel. Okay. I said, no. And he said, you're going to Bowling Green. <laughs> and, and so about eight of us got on Hillary was lady. A was off the road and we actually got one of their buses and a busload of us went up to Bowling Green and man, my jaw dropped. Yeah. The minute he started, you know, if you've ever seen him, if phenomenal. you YouTube, YouTube him or something, he'll just blow you away. And Do it. Absolutely. Truly, truly phenomenal. And he's been playing a lot of the Grand Old Opry here in Nashville. I ran into him uh, a couple of times. And, just, I mean, he's a great guy. But Very you have you have a song uh, with him, and uh, it, it's an award-winning song now. So tell us about that. Yeah, what a deal. You know, so going from being an admirer in an audience, a guy not even knowing him, you know, and then he actually, I, I actually filled in for the morning guy here at WSM AM one morning, Bill Cody. And it just happened to be that Tommy was slated as a guest. Wow. 
I thought, man, this is my lucky day. Yeah. And and sure enough, he came in and was just, you know, just amazing. He played live on the air and I'm just dumbfounded. And my guitar was in the studio. <laughs> and and I remember saying on the air to him, I said, Tommy, I have a complaint. And he said, what's that, mate? Tommy's Australian. Yeah. And he said, uh, he's, I said, well, my guitar here will not play what you're playing, <laughs> you know? And he didn't miss a lick. He just looked at me and he said, well, Bill, he says, it will when I play it. <laughs> so so he's just a great guy, broke the ice. So lead to that. So go from that. And then I'm in a writing session one day with Jerry Sally, who's a great writer in this town, uh, tons of bluegrass hits. And he's producing and writing with an, an Australian artist named Christy Cox, who's a bluegrass artist and a, a pretty noted acclaim in Australia. And uh, they needed one more song to finish an album. They wanted something up-tempo. And I had this idea on my hookbook called Finger Picking Good. And Jerry liked that. So the three of us got together. She was very, very uh, pregnant at the time. But I think we just wrote the, the, the heck out of it, how, about how she loved, her daddy loved, you know, Merle Travis and Chet Atkins. They love all these people, but they love people that, with that finger-picking style of guitar oh, yeah. or banjo, you know, that people have. So we wrote it, and when we got done, with the song, I I looked at uh, Christy and I said, Christy, you know, because she's Australian too. I said, Christy, how how well do you know Tommy Emmanuel? And she's oh, she says, you know, he used to sit in with the band all the time in Australia. I know him pretty for, pretty well. And I said, you know what? I said, if you could somehow convince your friend to play guitar on a song called Finger Picking Good, this will go from being a pretty good song to being possibly a thing. Yeah. And so. They reached out to him. Tommy said yes. We went to the studio one night, and he laid this, what you'll hear, this amazing guitar part down. <laughs> we were all amazed. You know, it was like a free show for us. There were eight or nine of us in the studio. Oh, bet. And I remember Jerry went to him after they got the take they wanted, opened the door and said, well, Tommy said, we can't thank you enough. What do we owe you? And Tommy said, you can't afford me, mate. <laughs> you know, so so he he did it as a favor to Christy. And then the song wow. went on the album. It became a single. And uh, here just a couple of weeks ago, it won the, what they, the Golden Guitar Award in Australia, which is the equivalent of a CMA award here in the States. The, wow. the uh, Golden Guitar Award for the Bluegrass Recording of the Year. Finger How good. about that? And we've got it. I know. Yeah. Let's yeah. play it right now, okay? All right. Uh-huh. Sounds good. All right. Tommy Emanuel. Where no one had a neighbor that they didn't know The old farmhouse where I was raised is where they came to play On Friday nights that grand old porch became our Opry stage I strap on my cheap flat top and strum until I almost drop Trying to keep up the best I could I really like the possum, but I love Doc Watson And my music, finger-picking good When I take out my old guitar, I go right back again. Where I can still see Daddy putting on a set of picks. I close my eyes and hear him practice all his favorite licks. He would grab his 
old five string Then he'd make that Gibson ring Roll sweet baby songs just like scrubs would You know he loved Don Reno As much as old J.D. Crow And his music Strings. Then he'd sit for hours and stomp his foot His idol was Chad Atkins But he loved Merle Travers And his music, finger-picking good We just say I rest my case about Tommy Emanuel. <laughs> Man, it's amazing, and and I will tell your listeners, Dave, if you get a chance, go to YouTube and just type in Christy Cox, finger yeah. picking good. They filmed a video of it that they used at the award show. Christy could not be there oh. uh, because the country shut down because of COVID. Yeah, but the, it was a live show. But her part was inserted on the screen. Wow. And for me, what was really cool is I woke up. You know, the show was like at three o'clock Australian time. And when I got up that morning, I had a note from another young Australian writer that I write with named Angus Gill, who said, congratulations. And I thought, oh, gosh, we must have won. And wow. so then I found it and we did win. But what was cool, Angus, who I'm getting ready to write with here in a few minutes with Jerry Sally. Oh, wow. Uh, Angus presented the award that night. You know, oh, he wrote that. he read our name. So it was just really cool. That is really cool. Well, you, you know, we've seen everything that, well, not everything that Bill does, but we see that you write gospel, bluegrass, uh, serious songs, comedy songs. Bill, you do it all. And it's just been great to have you on the show. And I'm a, I'm a member, you know, this doesn't get talked about a whole mm-hmm. lot, Dave, but one of the other things I do on the side is I'm a member of the senior Chippendale dancers. Are you? Chippendale? So it does, it, the seniors, yeah. It doesn't get mentioned a whole lot. Even with that face for radio, huh? Well, exactly. <laughs> You know, I have I've to got, tell you before we go. I've got go. some old radio station call letters on the back end of my blue speedo, you know, so I'm still promoting things. Oh, there you go. There you go. Oh, ladies, watch out. You know, I bet you that's not on YouTube, huh? No, it's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> I have to tell you before you go, I know you still do some work with the legend here in, in Nashville, uh, WSM, and it's got to be a thrill to work for the station that really made country music famous in the home of the Grand Old Opry. It's got to feel great for you, right? I mean, yeah, I don't, I haven't done that for a long time. And I may be, you know, they, things have changed their day. So I, mm-hmm. I think my radio thing has wrapped up, but I was blessed to work there six, seven years or whatever, which is the radio station I 
mm-hmm. dreamed of working at okay. as a kid listening to it on the AM band. So to be able to crack that microphone every now and then and be a part of that history I, is I, cool. I did want to bring that up because I was working at Ryman Auditorium, uh, which I do part-time. I haven't since COVID broke out, but I was in the lobby one night, uh, day listening, and you were on filling in for uh, Cody in the morning. At Coffee and Cody, and you interviewed um, before his death um, Charlie Pride, and I, oh. I I was thinking, my goodness, that's got to be a highlight. And you've talked uh, to everybody in the business, but to to have a one on one interview with Charlie Pride was that amazing or what? Well, it's interesting you would bring that up, Dave, because uh, you know, as broadcasters, if you do it long enough, I think I've interviewed almost anybody you can think of, and that's not just country music stars, <laughs> you name it, and it's not because they know me or we have a relationship for the most, they're usually promoting something and they need publicity. So if you're the guy in the chair, you get to meet them. And, some, and sometimes you make friendships out of it, but for mm-hmm. the most part it's business. Right. But I had never interviewed Charlie Pride. In my radio career, I started when I was 18 or 19, and I remember getting that first 45 RPM from Charlie Pride without knowing who or what color Charlie Pride was. They kept that a secret from radio guys for they a did. while. Because they were afraid we wouldn't play the record. So to have that opportunity to have him sit in front of me, man, a couple of cool things happened. He's a big baseball guy. Charlie was a and great so are you, player. Right? Yeah. Uh, well, I, yeah. I can play a little bit, but Charlie was major league. Type He's good. Stuff. Yeah. He still owned a part of the Texas Rangers. So we got to talk a little baseball and he talked, I've worked in Milwaukee for a while. And he said, Oh, you were, he said, well, let me tell you a story. He said, I was up there and I got to take batting practice and they brought this pitcher out. And uh, it, and he struck me out, and he says, and you will never guess who that is, thinking I really didn't know baseball. And I said, well, let me just offer a wild guess, Warren Spawn. <laughs> and his eyes lit up, and he went, how did you <laughs> And it was the right answer. It was a shot in the dark, but it was the right answer. Wow. But then the other part of the interview was I had a chance to ask him. I said, Charlie, after all these years, breaking the ground that you broke, why are there so few other country music artists of color? Why are there so many? And he said, one word, he said, pigment. Mm. And he said, still to this day, you know, pigment. Mm. And he said, we had our bathrooms, you had your bathrooms, and it got into just a very, very interesting discussion. Now, we're starting to make some headway there, Dave. As you know, there are some artists of color that are starting to come into the format, which I'm extremely glad to see. But to to have that moment with Charlie Pride and talk about that was just like. Very special. Very special, yeah. Very, very much indeed. Well, Bill, thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing your time with us today. We've enjoyed having you. Where can people uh, find you online? You've got your own. I've got a website, yeah, Uh BillWhiteComedy.com. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm on Facebook. I tweet. I do a blog every day that's kind of like a radio show in print, you know, trying to capture what's in the news. And there's a lot of funny stuff in there if you want to check that out Monday through Friday. I blog. And I just found this new social site. I just, um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to understand. I'm going to start using something called MySpace here pretty soon. <laughs> MySpace. So, uh, so I think you're a little late on that. On there. What? <laughs> I think you're a little bit late on that. One. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out how to use Instagram. My goodness, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I made What's a mistake and signed. I mind. I'm on Instagram crackers. You know, <laughs> there it's you a go. different. It's a younger demographic, but you know, I kind of like it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I've had so much fun talking with you, Bill. And, you know, I follow you on the uh, socials all the time, and, and I live vicariously through you. I'm just uh, so happy and, and proud of all that you're accomplishing and, and just wish you more success with the writing and everything you're doing. You're a great well, guy, man, too, and you deserve it, you know? Yeah, you too, Dave. Yeah. You're an old friend, and I appreciate you My pleasure. having me and uh, wish you luck with your career. I know you're out there trying to rhyme words and put music with it, too. So. Oh, I love to do it, man. I do it every day.
So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you for being on the show. Next uh, time on the show, in, uh, in two weeks, we've got a young, young and upcoming uh, artist and songwriter who I just am so thrilled to, to get to know these days. His name is uh, Greg Wilson, who and he comes from uh, Louisville, Kentucky, but he's been living here in Nashville, and uh, we've written a few songs together. He's an amazing songwriter, and we'll make a connection with him on the next show. So thanks for joining us on Songwriter Connection, the podcast. Thanks, Bill White. Thank you for listening to the Songwriter Connection podcast. Find us on social media at Songwriter Connection. Also, listen to Dave Linehan's Nashville Connection radio show. It streams live every Friday morning on WOBL and WNOI. Look for us on Facebook and YouTube. See you next time on Songwriter Connection. Songwriter Connection.